Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. And you're listening to the Grok Science Show. That's right. It's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and their effects on our daily lives. Coming up on today's program, Dr. Josh Middeldorf will join us to discuss cracking the aging code. So stay tuned for all of this. Plus the Grokatron 5000. And our world-famous question of the week. Coming right up. Here. On the Grok's Science Show. Science show. Well, why do our bodies age? Well, according to theoretical biologist Dr. Josh Middeldorf, our bodies don't wear out with age. They're destroyed on a schedule from the inside out. As explained in this new book, Cracking the Aging Code, The New Science of Growing Old and What It Means for Staying Young, co-authored with Dorian Sagan, he presents a new understanding of aging that is pioneering and provocative and will challenge the way we approach aging, death, and just what makes us human. Dr. Middeldorf has a PhD from the University of Pennsylvania and runs the website agingadvice.org, writes a weekly column for scienceblog.com. He's had visiting research and teaching positions at various universities, including MIT, Harvard, and Berkeley, and again, his new book is called Cracking the Aging Code. And uh, Dr. Middeldorf, I want to thank you very much for joining us today on the Grox Science Show. Well, Charles, thanks for that great introduction. <laughs> well, uh, thank you for joining us today, and, and uh, certainly a very interesting book here, Cracking the Aging Code, The New Science of Growing Old and What It Means for Staying Young. Uh, I'm curious, um, maybe first uh, to ask, uh, how did you become interested in, in this whole topic of aging? Well, you know, I was trained as a physicist, and I was working on uh, astrophysics questions in 1996 when the f- literature started appearing in popular science journals in the New York Times science section about animals that are fed less live longer. That just didn't make any sense to me. What does it mean when you deprive an animal of nutrients? It's not just keeping them trim. The animals that lived the longest were on the brink of starvation. I mean, they have a cage where three animals are kept on very low diets. Two of them die of starvation. And the third one lives half again as long, lives one and a half times as long just from being on the brink of starvation. Well, what can the body do when it's deprived of food that it couldn't do just as well by using the nutrients in a more efficient manner or by uh, throwing out the nutrients it doesn't want? From that, I decided that aging must be on purpose. The body must not be trying to get or live as long as possible. And that's really what led me into this, this whole area when I found out that that thesis was just anathema to the way evolutionary biologists think. And I started scratching my head. Well, why is it anathema to them? I went back to grad school to learn some evolutionary biology and uh, made a hard decision. Am I going to trust my own theory about this or am I going to trust the uh, traditional way of thinking in evolutionary biology? I think everybody agrees that food is, is scarce. The body is not programmed to reproduce, but to live longer. Uh, Try to make it through the famine time to a time when it's more propitious for reproduction. After all, if food is scarce, it's going to be hard to feed your children, hard to get enough nutrients in to make the milk you need to feed your children. It's not a good time to reproduce. 
But if you can survive when others are starving, then you get a big evolutionary advantage. You're going to survive into a time when there are very few remaining and your genes get to explore this new environment when uh, food becomes plentiful again. So people kind of agree on that. I, I think that's the right explanation. The thing that I did that's new is I asked the converse question. It's easy to understand why animals should live longer when there's not enough food, but why should they live shorter when there's plenty of food? And that's the question that traditional science really doesn't address and the, really was the seed of all my thinking on the subject. It, it, in a way, doesn't make sense. I mean, isn't typical answer just biochemical processes that, that cause free radicals and all that stuff that cause damage? That's sort of not the right way of thinking about it? Yeah, it isn't the right way of thinking about it. So the, the free radical theory is due to Demon Harmon traces back to the 1960s, and it was very popular for a long time, but it's been pretty much disproven at this point. Not that free radicals have nothing to do with aging, but they're not the root cause of aging. In, in fact, lots of remedies have been tried using antioxidants to quench those free radicals, and either the animal ends up living the same amount of time, or actually some antioxidants contribute to shorter lifespans. This is both in animal tests and human trials. I think it's a travesty that these um, supplement companies are still pushing antioxidants because it's, it's a good 10 or 15 years now that um, antioxidants have been discredited as a life extension strategy. And it's really just the advertising that keeps them alive. So what, if you like... All right, so why does the free radical theory work? It's because as we exercise... We generate a lot of free radicals, and they're a signal to the body to repair itself. And when you cut off the free radicals with antioxidants, you're also cutting off that signal. And yeah, you're avoiding some damage, but you're also telling the body you don't have to repair that damage. You don't have to rebuild the muscles. And that's why antioxidants don't work. And it's why the oxidative theory of aging it's it's really just a small part of the picture and when you look at the when you look at the whole picture antioxidants block the signaling uh, even though they protect the the body and the signaling is really important for protecting us from from aging so uh, what what is the explanation for a resource rich environment causing us to age so this is the the core of my contribution to this science. It's probably the, the thing that, I, that I'm most proud of. I, I spend a long time thinking about just the question you're asking, why should we live shorter when there are plenty of resources? And what I've come to is this. If you're a plant, fitness just means making as many seeds as possible as fast as you can. And there are many plants that do that. There are, there are trees that will make billions of seeds over their lifetime. But animals can't afford to do that. They're not at the bottom of the food chain. They're at the top of the food chain or in the middle of the food chain. That means they're dependent on plants or other animals for their food. So suppose you're reproducing as fast as you can. Well, you know, you can, if, if you're an animal, you can gather food. It's not that hard to gather uh, more food and to use that food to produce more young. And it's a great ecological danger to do that. 
any species that's reproducing faster than its food source, that's a losing game. You eat all the food that's available and then your children starve or your grandchildren starve. This is not something that takes 10, 20 generations to appear. There are natural experiments where um, islands have been denuded because of an exploding population of deer, for example. And the deer, in one lifetime, the deer go from a population boom to a population crash. I think these population crashes due to starvation are a real driving force in evolution. And all animals are evolved to avoid these um, population crashes from starvation. So what that means is when there's plenty of food available, you really have to be careful. You live a short time, you don't reproduce too much, and when food is scarce, then aging can take a vacation. Aging can relax because probably there are plenty of other animals that are dying of starvation already. So I think that ecological balance really explains the relationship between food and lifespan, that aging evolved kind of as a way to level out the death rate in good times and bad. When there are good times, you don't need aging so much, but there are plenty of deaths already. But in, in the good times, when nobody is dying of starvation, that's when, when aging takes over and gives you a nice steady death rate to keep the population from exploding too fast. Uh, so wouldn't there have to be some kind of balance between the two forces additions? Yeah, I, th I think that's, that's just right. It's the insulin metabolism that controls the rate of aging. And it's interesting that you find that aging is controlled by some conserved genes. goes way, way back, and uh, worms have insulin metabolisms that control their rate of aging, and so do we. So uh, our last common ancestors with these guys are half a billion years ago, and yet these genes for regulating the rate of aging have been conserved over such a long evolutionary period. It really gives you a hint that aging and death have been important targets of evolution. Evolution cares enough that it's kept these genes around and modified them as necessary over half a billion years. Are there any instances of, of environments where the resources for are, are just so plentiful that it's not a factor in case there's, this pressure isn't there? Well, interestingly, there are lots of plants that don't age. They just keep living until something kills them. Many trees will just live and live, growing larger, stronger, more fertile year after year until they're struck by lightning or somebody cuts them down or they're knocked over. But there are very few animals that don't age. And among the animals that live the longest, you find that they are travelers. They eat here and then they travel someplace else. Birds that migrate long distances, whales that swim over the entire ocean, migrate for thousands and thousands of miles. These are some of the longest lived of the animals. They don't have to worry so much about using up a local food supply because they're scavenging the entire earth. So really, they can essentially take a break from aging. Yeah, you find that birds live much longer than uh, land mammals of the same size, and whales have been known to live for hundreds of years.
What does this mean then on a, on a practical level? I mean, uh, so we're, we're evolved from a, a situation where if we're in resource plenty, we're going to age more rapidly. Should we then do the caloric restriction folks say and then limit our intake to sort of trick our bodies to thinking it's a scarce environment? Well, this is a real question of values at this point, more than a question of, of science. The science tells you that there's a conflict between what's good for the individual, which is to live as long as possible, and what's good for the community, which is to have a nice regulated lifespan that uh, fits into the ecology. And we humans are facing exactly that dilemma at the moment. Our population is exploding we're taking over the earth. We're threatening many, many other species. We're cutting off the ecological roots of, of our uh, food tree. At the same time, we as individuals have rich lives. We have interesting lives. We want to live longer. We want to see what's happening in the future. We want to watch our great-grandchildren grow up. So there are a lot of individuals who want to live a long time, and I'm one of them. At the same time, the human population is growing to unsustainable levels. We're wiping out many of the top predators and now really affecting the entire Earth's ecology at this point. There's never been in the history of, of life on Earth a single species that could dominate all of the ecosystems in, in the entire planet and change the ecology of the whole planet at once. So we're in un uncharted territory, what humans are doing to this planet. If we're going to have longer and longer lifespans, we're really going to need to enforce birth control. We're going to need um, to come together and agree that we're going to control our population by radically reducing our birth rate as, as a necessary step to supporting humans in a longer lifespan. Barring that, we'll just have to find another planet to colonize. <laughs> Go. Yeah. You, you know any good planets? Finding new ones all the time, so you never know. <laughs> I mean, I'm is, it, is, it, uh, is it possible to have, have the best of both worlds? I figure either the population has to be controlled by a higher death rate or by a lower birth rate. And I'm for the lower birth rate. I, I think uh, death feels to the individual like a tragedy. And death is disruptive to our families, to our communities. I'm all for a longer lifespan if we can balance it with a drastically lower birth rate. Well, uh, a lot to think about. One which uh, it's, it's hard to see if nations can come together. <laughs> well, we're having trouble just coming together to prevent global warming, to, to have international agreements to keep the birth rate down. It's a huge political challenge. And uh, it comes face-to-face -face with capitalism, which is built on growth. Uh, you can't have eternal growth. Capitalism is going to have to compromise. Uh, capitalism, unfortunately, have, plays a big role in our democracy. Uh, there are a lot of big problems to solve, political and social problems. Uh, I'm curious, uh, we're running slightly out of time, maybe if you just have some final words regarding aging and the, the future of aging. Well, one thing that so it doesn't take us by surprise. There are radical life extension technologies that are just coming onto the, just coming into the market in the next few years. They've already been proven in animals. There are drug companies fast and furious competing to bring them to market. The next few years, we're going to see radical life extension technologies. These are pills you can take that are going to add 10, 20 years to your life. It's coming, and we should be prepared for it. 
certainly as individuals, we'll welcome it. But as a society, we really need to be thinking about what are the consequences of longer lifespans in terms of uh, population control. So people sometimes think about longer lifespans in terms of not having as many young people to take care of all the old people. That's not going to be a problem. We're going to extend our lives not by living longer in the nursing home, but by having longer productive periods in our lives. These, these drugs extend the middle years, extend our productive years. We're not going to have a problem with too many people in the nursing homes and not enough uh, young people to support them. We are going to have a problem with resource use, with ecological balance, with species extinctions. That, that's really where we need to be focusing our political and our environmental energies. With uh, every new advance comes bigger and bigger issues to solve. I'll say. <laughs> well, Dr. Middledorf, I do want to thank you uh, for joining us today. Uh, the new book, uh, Cracking the Aging Code, The New Science of Growing Old and What It Means for Staying Young. Again, the author, Dr. Josh Middledorf, and uh, his co-author, Dorian Sagan. Uh, Dr. Middledorf, thank you very much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. Well, thank you for connecting me to your audience, and thank you for asking such provocative questions. We really got deep into these issues in a very short time. And that's all for this week's edition of the Grok Science Show. Make sure you tune in next week for more from the world of science and technology. If you'd like to contact us here, you can email us at science at groks.net. For Grok Science, I'm Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. Make sure you also see us on the web at www.groks.net. Have a great afternoon and keep on grokking.